life is about learning. So we can be 20, we can be 30, we can be 50, we can be 80, just to have this open mind of like, I'm here to learn. That creates a softness inside. And I think it's very beautiful. Welcome to Indian Artpreneur. On today's episode, we have a very special guest from Paris, Emmanuel Martha. Emmanuel is a French native who has excelled as one of the rarest Westerners who advanced in Carnatic music. Growing up with parents classically trained in Western music, Emmanuel was surrounded by the practice and appreciation of music with merit. But some interesting events in her early life got her inclination to Carnatic music. So let us listen to her story and the challenges she had to overcome to excel in Carnatic music. Hi Emmanuel, uh, welcome to Indian Artpreneur. Hi, thank you. <laughs> you come from a family of Western classical musicians. Yes. So did you start training on uh, classical music since your childhood? Yes, I started learning uh, the piano when I was around four years old. And... Uh, and did a rather serious classical training in piano and uh, and then classical singing. But then how did you get introduced to Carnatic music? Um, so both my parents um, are Western classical musician and uh, my father is a, was an oboe player, he doesn't play the instrument anymore. And uh, my mother was a cello player <clears throat> and um, my father discovered Carnatic music uh, just a little bit before I was born and uh, he, so he, he met this woman in Paris called Savitri Nair. I don't know if you heard of her. Um, she's the mother of a great Kuchipudi dancer called Shantala Shivalingapa. And um, okay. so my father got introduced to Carnatic music through Savitri Nair and then really had a really strong connection with that music. And uh, he started traveling to India for two, three months, uh, a few times. Uh, and he was learning from uh, Sri Sitarama Sharma, who was uh, T.M. Krishna's guru. And so it's, it's been a music that was uh, very present uh, in my childhood. Um, and uh, when I was, uh, I was always uh, passionate about singing, espe especially, mm -hmm. but uh, I actually didn't like Carnatic music uh, when I was a child. Um, okay. I, I was very, I had a very strong reaction to it. Whenever my father would play it, I would be, switch it off, switch it off. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, when I was a teenager, um, I started, I was very uh, fascinated by all kind of uh, tribal singing, like all the the kind of organic um, voice, you know, like full body, full open throat uh, singing. So I was fascinated by flamenco and all kind of gypsy, uh -huh. uh, w uh, Eastern Europe gypsy singing. And uh, and I was, um, you know, at the time I, I wanted to become an ethnomusicologist and travel and collect, uh, you know, um, all this kind of very old traditional traditions um, that involve the voice all over the world. That was my my aim when I was uh -huh. a teenager. And um, and uh, my father, when I was uh, 15 years old, uh, took my whole family to India on a on a one month uh, trip. Um, and uh, I until then I had been really 
resisting all this India, Indian music. Uh, it was, it had been there all the time. Uh, actually, uh, my guru, my teacher, T.M. Krishna, had come home when I was three and I uh, had stayed some time with us. So it, we were always in contact with this culture. Um, but when my, my father told me, if you learn the, um, you know, the first book of Carnatic training, the Swaradi Varsai, the Ganamruta Bunindi book, if you know it by heart, uh -huh. by the end of the year, I'll take you to India. So uh -huh. it became quite interesting for me at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I did. I learned, I learned the Swaradi Varsai. I learned some Gitams even, I think, with my father. And it was just, mm -hmm. it was uh, just a way to get my ticket to India, you know. But... Um, so we went there in the year 2000 for a month and uh, we spent most of the time in Chennai. And at the time I was uh -huh. also very interested uh, into dance. So I was doing Bharatanatyam classes uh, every day uh, uh, with okay. a retired teacher from the Kalakshetra. And then I would follow my father to his classes with Sharmasar. And we spent uh -huh. a month like that where every day I would... Uh, I would sit in class with my father and learn the Varnams and sing the Varnam and Sharmasa never, never acknowledged my presence. He wasn't, you know, interacting with me. I was just singing along. He never said anything. And, um, and so th that was my first experience with really Carnatic music. My brother was learning the Bradangam. Um, he was very good <laughs> uh, at the time. Interesting. And then and then that's it. And at the time, after this first trip, I told my dad, uh, uh, I will never come back to India. This is not a country for me. Uh, I had a very strong, clearly a strong connection to it, but it was very intense. And I remember being in India that first time and my, we, we went to the Kalakshetra school to, to, you know, to visit. And uh, my, my father was telling me, you know, maybe after you finished high school, you could... Uh, go and do a training there. And, and I was like, never, <laughs> never in my life, I will do that. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, strangely, I don't know how that happened, but a year after I was still very practicing singing a lot. I was doing formal training and, you know, classical opera singing and stuff. And uh, I don't remember how it happened, but then a year after I went alone again with my dad uh, for two weeks and at that time, we were only doing music, uh, singing with Sharmasar, and we took one class with uh, T.M. Krishna. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it was a friendly class, and and I think now that I remember it, I think it was my first, uh, the first moment when I felt, oh, okay, it can't, you know, to learn with a younger teacher was more, um, you know, um, it was easier to, you know, to communicate, and he was very lively and passionate and. Uh, he, he taught us one Sri Varnam, I think, and a song. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then I was like, okay, it can be like that. It can be a different experience because until now the experience had been really uh, very serious, you know, and, and not fun. <laughs> so when you're 16 years right, old, right. you're looking for more fun, you know. <coughs> but um, mm -hmm. after that, I, I went back to France, uh, finished school and, uh, and then after I finished school, we, some people do that sometimes. Um, uh, you know, after the before to start university, college, you take a year off and you travel to explore the world before you, you know, go back to the next thing. And um, and I had planned to do a year off where I would do um, I wanted to dedicate that year to singing and I mm -hmm. wanted to study uh, 
uh, flamenco, uh, south in south Sp uh, south of Spain singing, and blues. Uh, I had planned to go to America for that, and then uh -huh. my father convinced me, and my friends were like. Can, can you take us to India because you know? And I was like, no, I don't want to go back to India. But I said, okay, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll do it for you. We'll go for three months first to India. And, uh, and uh -huh. maybe, yes, I will do some singing, uh, you know, um, there because if we are there. But it was really like, we do it, so it's done. And then we move on and then I can do other things, you know. And, um, and what happened is that in March 2004, so just before I uh, graduated, uh, you know, the, the, the high school certification, um, mm -hmm. uh, TM Krishna got invited to sing in Théâtre de la Ville, uh, which is a very prestigious place in Paris. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he called my dad and said, can I come and spend a week uh, after, you know, can I just spend a week of holidays at your, ho at your home? Because he remembered coming there when he was 12. And uh, my father said, sure. And uh, my father also is teaching, was teaching a little bit of Carnatic music. So it was like, maybe when you're here, you agree to do a few classes with my students. And, and um, so we spent a week. And at first I was like, you know, I don't want to take any classes. I'm not interested. But then as soon as uh, we drove home from Paris, it's, it was like a four hours drive. Um, my father and uh, Krishna was, were talking in the front seat in the car passionately about music. Um, and at first I was, I was a teenager, so I was like sitting in the back, you know, maybe listening to my, in my headphones, listening to something else. And slowly as the drive progressed, I noticed that I was, uh -huh. I was captured by everything Krishna was saying. Everything he was talking about music, you know, I could feel something mm -hmm. in me being captivated and and it went on like this day after day during the week that he was there. It was like I couldn't miss one thing that he was saying about music. Like it was the most important thing. So it started to worry me a little bit. <laughs> and then finally, uh -huh. um, kind of to to appease my father was like, but we have this amazing musician at home. At least take one class, you know, at least try it. I was like, no, I don't want to. I'm not interested. And then I heard Krishna uh -huh. sing. I think a Tanam or something is saying and same, you know, I heard his voice and it was mm. like, oh, this is what I'm looking for, you know, and the, something clicked, you know, and I was like, OK, fine, I'll take one class. So I took one class and in the first five minutes of this class, he told me, um, so he asked me to sing something I knew. So I sang Mohana Varnam and uh, I started singing very quietly. And for me, my resistance to Indian music, Carnatic music, was that because of the environment and things that I had noticed, Indian music was equivalent to uh, yoga, meditation, retreat, peaceful, you know. And so I kept telling my dad, <laughs> I know I will sing this music at some point when I'll be, you know, 70 and I'll have done everything I want to do in my life. <laughs> uh, sure, you know, I, I know at some point I will learn uh -huh. this music, but before I want to really sing, and you know. And so mm -hmm. I sat and sang like a good student, the Mohana Varnam. And then I started going in the Melastai, in the upper, um, upper notes. And Krishna was like, wait, 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 what are you doing? What are you singing? And I was like, why are you singing with a small voice like this? And I was like, it's, that's how I sing. I can't sing louder than this. Uh, I, when I go up, I cannot push my voice more. It will hurt and it's not, you know, it's not coming out. And he looked at me and he said, 
we I used to live in a very big house, like three, there were three floors. And I used to fight with my mother a lot. And I said, this morning you were on the third floor and your morning, your mother was on the ground floor and I, I heard you fight <laughs> and I heard you scream at each other. I, I think you have more voice than this. It was just, just yeah. open your mouth and sing. And so he made me sing like mm -hmm. this, you know, like open, open throat and uh, something completely shifted in my perception of music and voice and sound. And I came out of that class and something in me recognized, you know, it was like, this is what I'm looking for. Mm. I didn't word it like that at the time, but it was very, it was very strong. And then I was like, okay, fine, then I'll take a second class. <laughs> so I took a mm -hmm. second class and then Krishna was very, um, very enthusiastic and very supportive. And he was like, oh, you, you know, he asked me to sing some things of the Mohana Varnam. And I, 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 I happened to have listened to that first class recently. So it's all very fresh again. And uh, I would sing something was like, how you sing the Gamakas properly without knowing, how do you do it? So he was very uh, supportive and it was like good practice. And I, I was very lazy at the time. Mm -hmm. I would always be late at school and impossible to get up in the morning. And I started waking up at six in the morning to have time to practice and sing before to go to school. Nice. And uh, so we had a third class, the third and last class and uh, one before last class. And uh, so I think we moved on to Abogivarnam or something. We did other things and I had practiced from one day to the next, which also I was not doing at the time. <laughs> and uh, after this one <laughs> class, um, Krishna's, my father has beautiful uh, Mirage Tampuras and Krishna started playing the Tampura and uh, he sat there and somewhere in the, in the music room and he started just singing. And I remember I was, you know, at first I was like, I have to go to school tomorrow. It's already 11 in the night. Uh, I should go. So I was on my way out. And then something told me, just stay, just, just stay and listen. So at first I was sitting and listening just to be polite, to not, you know, he's singing, I can't, he just taught me, uh, gave me a class, I can't just leave, yes. it's not correct. So I sat, I waited. Uh -huh. And then uh, he sang for about half an hour. And, uh, you know, after a few minutes, I started being really moved by his music. And, um, you know, it, it was, he, he sang three ragams, he just sang Alapanas in Begada, uh, Suruti and Varali. And as the minutes progressed, I became more and more um, touched, like I started crying and, uh, you know, it was a very, very strong experience. And it was like the most beautiful thing I had ever heard, I had ever noticed. And I was like, this music was in front of me all these years and I never noticed it. And I think I was taught by the cultural appearance of the music. When we, we, we were going to Chennai, going to Kacheris and Mm -hmm. I was, I couldn't get it and seeing people in traditional clothes and the lights, uh, the white lights and the very loud sound system. And it was very complicated and very, you know, it was like, yeah, it's not my culture. It's not, you know, I'm not, I don't connect to yes. it. But then to see uh -huh. this person, um, not just any person, but obviously a, a magnificent ma master of music, you know, was just sitting in my living room in his shorts, you know, just as a, he was just a human being. He wasn't a, you know, an exotic Indian musician, you know, he was just a 
you know, and he was becoming a friend. So there was, you know, like a, a familiarity that was getting there. And the fact that he was singing, it, it's the ragas that he was singing that had no words. So I wasn't stopped by the meaning of being like, it's not, I don't understand. It was just music. And it was like, I could feel it was my music. Like it was, I could completely um, understand it and enjoy it. And it was like, really, it was as if it was so alive and strong in the moment and and so, so, so beautiful. And um, during that half an hour, at first, when I started crying, I was trying to hide that I was crying because I was, if my father sees me crying, he will never let me not learn this music. So he, he cannot see that I'm crying. But at, <laughs> after a while, I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, it was just too strong. So we, that mm. moment finished and uh, I was blowing my nose, you know, like I had tears everywhere. And my father just looked at me and was like, hmm, so you like this music? <laughs> and I was like, no, just never mind. And uh, and that mm -hmm. night I didn't sleep and I wrote a letter to my parents, uh, 17 pages later mm -hmm. or something, just to tell wow. them uh, that's it. I found my, I found my, what I'm, I, all these years I knew I was waiting for something. I have to learn this music. I have to completely dedicate mm -hmm. myself to learning this music with this master, with this music master. And uh, I know I'm just finishing school in June and I go and I know it's my life. It's going to be a a life thing and it, I, I, will, I will go to the end of it and uh, I will I was very devotional and uh, passionate you know I was like I will go through anything I will give my life for it it was I was very young and very uh, crazy <laughs> and uh, and uh, so my my father acknowledged the letter and later he told me uh, he was like okay she's crazy <laughs> if she if she makes it six months in India it will be good you know <laughs> and uh, and um, uh. and then uh, I told Krishna the next day, you know, I said, I want to, I remember I said in French, I want to learn music from A to Z. And he was like, okay, good, <laughs> you know. And uh, we had a last class that week before Krishna went back to India. And my father was very, you know, trying to handle everything. And he told Krishna, yeah, would you agree to give Emmanuel a last class uh, to just uh, see if maybe you would accept her as a student um, because she wants to come to Chennai and learn from you. And, and Krishna was like, she's already my student. It's done, you know. And uh, so that was, you know, mm -hmm. that, that week was very, um, very, uh, you know, everything was set in that week. So, um, sorry, I went really, I gave you like the whole story to your simple questions, but everything no, just... <laughs> it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. You know, because uh, I think some things, it just starts. I mean, you don't, uh, it's destined. Yeah. You don't know how you reach there, but then the, it just turns yeah. on, you know, when yeah, the moment comes. Exactly. It's a beautiful uh, story. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, when you decide that you want to pursue Carnatic music yeah. seriously... Yeah. You travel to India, yeah. you live in India yeah. for 10 years and you get trained in Carnatic music. Yes. And this happens when you're at the age of 19. Yes. Now, what interests me is to take up something huge for a 19 year old yeah. would mean that you had to come out of your comfort zone completely. Yes. You had to redefine and relearn so many things yeah. in a new country. Yes. So what kind of dedication and sacrifices did all this demand from you? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> The first um, six months were like like the honeymoon, you know, like it was, I was just in bliss, you know, I was going to class mm -hmm. every day, I was 
hanging out at the Krishna's house whole day long, talking with Sangita, you know, uh, taking care of he has he had his daughters were very young at the time, just hanging out with the kids, playing with the kids, and and I had uh, you know classes almost every day, and then going to I started playing the tampura for him and traveling with him everywhere, and and I was just um, you know from one class to the next, I was only being home. Um, and practicing the whole day, I was practicing like more than sometimes, yeah, more than eight hours a day. Just you know, it was always on. Amazing. And every night I was listening uh -huh. to music all night long. You know, it was like a, f a f really like a f uh, con continuous. Um, and what happened is that um, you know, like obviously, like there was a very strong um, uh, how to say. Uh, everything was the first six months everything was easy the relationship with mm -hmm. the you know I mean my my uh, the only connections that I had there were were Krishna and his family and you know the other students but we only we were only three students at the time so it was a very close circle but um, you know I was I was a guest I was a westerner wanting to learn the music I was very young and everything was just, you know, I was very well treated, <laughs> you know, like uh, um, mm -hmm. Krishna and Sangeeta were very like, you know, they were taking care of me like a, like a daughter or, or, your, or a younger sister, you know, making sure they, they felt they were responsible for me. And, uh, you know, whenever we would travel and be with other musicians, you know, I was I was always very, you know, people were very like, uh, you know, I was treated as a guest. And... Uh, and I was in off, like, you know, the first musical season, the Madras uh, December festival. I remember going from concerts to morning seven till 10 in the night, eating sweets and coffee the whole day. Nothing else, you know, just being mm -hmm. like I was in heaven. And then uh, mm -hmm. after this first six months, um, I Krishna was touring in the US and my visa at the time I had only tourist visa. So I had to go back. So I went back home for six months. Mm -hmm. And but I went back knowing that it was just for a few months and then I would go for good. I knew that, you know, and that first six months I was in Chennai, I had friends. Uh, it so happened that I had two friends from France also taking a year off and traveling with me. Ah. So I had company. I wasn't completely alone. So it was, you okay. know, it was my first uh, time not living at home anymore with my parents and um, so it was very joyful. And then when I moved back, uh, so it was like in August or September 2005, I had to find a house for myself. I had to buy furniture. I had to handle, you know, everything. And uh, and it was like it was step two. <laughs> and then um, this, I would say the serious, it was serious from the beginning, but uh, the, the training, um, you know, I would say the first six months, I when I hear some recording of classes now, I I hear Krishna being very uh, supportive, you know, even saying good sometimes and being very, uh, you know, it was like very encouraging and yes, it's good, continue, you know, and then it became, he became more and more and more demanding as I guess my commitment was, you know, I was still here and not giving up, not going back. I wasn't a tourist. I wasn't just learning a little bit of music. It was my whole life. So as it, as the, I think I sh honestly trying to be uh, not having, uh, not being pretentious, but I think I showed uh, capacities, you know, and I had some skills. 
Um, so we pushed right. and pushed and pushed. And as, as it went on, you know, I was learning Varnams. And then I started mm-hmm. learning Kirtanams. And then um, the precision that he was demanding was more and more. And slowly, uh, as it went out, I was, yeah, I, w- I was faced with a lot of, um, lot of difficulties actually. Like um, um, the pronunciation, w- I would say, is a small detail amongst all the other things, but it was more the limitation of my my Western mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. Uh, and I would say that um, what what I think the most the biggest difficulty for me was that I was completely dedicated. So even when it was sometimes it was very very hard um, on different you know in, on different levels, but that first moment of recognition of music that had happened when Krishna was home and I heard I heard the ragas you know and was so strong and there was so much uh, you know there there was never a question of like this is not for me i'm giving up but i was um krishna was a is a very fierce teacher and um you know i was practicing a lot spending many hours a day and i think one of my biggest problem was this you know, I said this typical Western mind, but it's not to say that Indian don't have that thing, but it's just, it's just, it's built differently, I think. <laughs> That's my experience. Uh-huh. I was very impatient. So mm. I would, uh, you know, I could, I was always, there was a lot of tension and, and Krishna fought with me all these years and still sometimes today saying, just relax. Sometimes he had to tell me, Emmanuel, you have to stop singing. You're practicing too much. But you're too tense. You have to relax. You have to practice less, but more quality than quantity, you know, more focused and more. So I had a hundred percent trust in Krishna's um, instructions, which is, I think, in any training like that is the number one uh, uh, necessity. It's absolutely uh, necessary to have this trust. So whenever I was like struggling and like finding something very difficult, I never questioned what he was telling me to do. Sometimes I was not doing it. That's the different point. <laughs> but um, I would, I always knew that whatever he was telling me to do was the right thing to do. And even if maybe 15 or 20 years later, we could say, he should have not tell you to do that. Or, uh, you know, you should have done a thing like that. It didn't matter. You know, it was like, the point was that um, that commitment to like, I have to learn this music that's huge and it's so big mm. and it's so that my only job is to just do what my teacher tells me to do. If he says practice this, I practice this. And I don't say, yeah, but this other student is doing that and this other person is doing like that. It's just, just, uh, so I think for me, you know, I was, um, I, I, quickly in the training I got faced with my I would say my my mind and my emotions were getting in the way and uh, in a in a big way and Mm -hmm. it's and it's been my my it's always been my motivation to expand you know my 
my um, how to say yeah to go beyond my limitations it's it's as simple as that but if i stay just in my uh mm -hmm. you know um uh, cr uh, cruise mode you know just whatever i can do i couldn't i couldn't go very far because i was quickly stopped by my own limitations but because of right. this love uh, and this passion for the music it was like you know i would end up crying a lot in classes <laughs> it's a problem <laughs> when we're girls is we cry more easily <laughs> than boys so i used to cry and sometimes i was like <laughs> And, uh, and Krishna has been incredibly patient and always trying to find, you know, he was, sometimes I was like, I need to talk, I don't understand, I don't get it, it's too hard. And, you know, they were like, and he was like, you know, it's, it, it was not a habit for him to have to do that, but he would sit and say, okay, so uh, try like this, try like that, do this, practice like that. And, you know, so the, this was, um, this was the, you know, like the, the fact that, there was this trust in the teacher made me and and this initial moment of um, experience right. with the music made me go through the the whole the whole thing because because my first experience happened through just music you know it wasn't uh, I wasn't um, particularly drawn by at the time by Indian culture you know by Hinduism I I was aware of it because I had grown up in a family where it was present so it was part of my context already but I was not interested in knowing about this god or this goddess or this festival or, or this tradition and many times uh, in the first few months that I was in Chennai it would happen sometimes mm -hmm. that um, uh, some people would come and see me after Krishna's concert after seeing me uh, putting tampura for him and saying uh, so you're a French singing Carnatic music uh, uh, do you understand the lyrics? And I hope you understand the lyrics. And at first, I didn't know what to say because I didn't care about the lyrics <laughs> at the time. I didn't understand. And I and I and when I read the translation, yes. I was like, it didn't say anything to me at the time. So I asked Krishna in the very beginning, it was like the first year or something. And he was like, don't worry about it. Just focus on the music. It will, and everything will follow. So, you know, it's it's actually... I realize this now as I'm speaking to you, as you're asking me this question. To this day, whenever I'm asked this question, uh, you know, was it mm -hmm. difficult for you to not understand the language or that's not exactly how you put it, but, you know, being from a different culture mm -hmm. and it's all, part of me is like, what do you mean? There's no difference. Like it's so in a way, there is a huge difference in pronunciation. You know, this when I see my co-students, it's it's very hard for mm -hmm. me because I'm, you know, I mean, we've had very good moments of laughter in class because of my pronunciations and, you know, and me, <laughs> you know, not saying, especially in Tamil, you know, is not saying one word right. right and it means something completely different. And, but also <laughs> in memorizing, you know, those guys, my dear friends, uh, my co-students, uh -huh. when they learn, when they learn a new song, they probably heard the songs thousands of times before and they've heard it since they were babies, you know. Uh, and 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 the music is running through their bloods, through their parents, their grandparents. Even if they grew up in America or somewhere else, it's in their blood. And the language, uh, it's even if they don't speak this particular, you, you know, even if they don't speak Telugu um, or Sanskrit, mm -hmm. but it's all, it's familiar sounds. But for me, obviously, it was completely different. So when we would be taught a new song, you know, I, for me to 
to memorize the line, the musical line and the words was extremely difficult. So I would, you know, he, he would ask me, me, you know, 10 times more work. I don't know, but much more work than the other guys mm -hmm. to memorize and to, you know, so that's, that's one, that's one part. But the fact that when my teacher told me just focus on the music, um, I think it's mm -hmm. been one of the most valuable advice ever because now it's been 15, 16 years that I learned this music, that I practice it and, uh, and that it's always true. Like if I just focus on the music, um, you know, later on, obviously I was traveling for 10 years everywhere with Krishna and the musicians going to temples. Mm -hmm. um, I've got, you know, and being in touch with other amazing artists like Akeshwaram Kumar or Karen Prakash, many, so many others, you know, who, who also had all different relationships with the, with the, um, with the Hinduism, with the temples, with the, you know, with the, and so after a while, just being in all these amazing temples, I was never told anything. I was never explained anything, um, but I was just following them everywhere <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh you know mm. doing what they were just by observing and being immersed in the thing so it became now i can't say it's not my culture you know in a way in a way it's not but in a way it's mm -hmm. it is and the thing is my feeling is that and you know that's the first experience that i had when i was 18 actually when i had the music for the first time really that experience um mm -hmm. it's that music really even this music was, you know, South Indian music is, it it really goes beyond culture. You know, it's not, you, you can, True. you know, so that's one thing. And then, and then I can say on my own personal experience, when I was, when I'm practicing the, you know, the Kirtanams or the Ragams, Naravalswarams, everything, mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. by repeating the same song thousands of times, uh, and not knowing necessarily intellectually what the song is about, um, I can't really say precisely what, but there's like, I know what the song is about. I don't know, but I know. I don't need to know because it's there. And if I surrender to the music, everything that I need to know is there, you know. <laughs> Very true. Yes. Uh, when you decided to go to India, you know, back then. Yeah. Uh, did you have it all sorted? Did you have a clarity, a plan? You know, like I would be staying in India, practice music for 10 years and then travel back to France and start performing. Or did you just let things unfold for you? Uh, that's funny. Um, I think if I was told you're going to stay in 10 years in, in Chennai, I would have not gone. <laughs> it's funny. You know, it's a it's very interesting uh, question because I, it's like, how to say it? Um, when that decision was made in myself in that evening of March 2004, I said, I'm going to India, I'm going to dedicate to this learning to this music and I'm going to dedicate my life to this music. The thing that was very strong was just learn this music entirely, like to the best of mm -hmm. your ability, you know, like we never know <laughs> how things are going to unfold, but just surrender to learning this music trust this uh, music master completely and everything else will follow. So I knew and I didn't know. It was like when I left for India uh, and that I was 19, I was not very, 
I mean, I had been traveling on my own since I was 12. I was quite, quite independent, you know, but I wasn't, I also, I wasn't very brave in the sense that I never imagined that I could be alone in India. And I, I would have never mm -hmm. gone if I had known that I would be alone <laughs> there. But, you know, it was, it was like one of those things where life arranged everything. Like it always does actually, but we're not always aware <laughs> of it. But right. it so happened that my yes. two best friends came and travel with me. So, you know, mm -hmm. I got lured into being in, in, in India like this. And then the first six months mm -hmm. I had, um, you know, friends living with me. So it was fun and it was great. And then, and when I started being in Chennai in September and I was living with my two friends, it was obvious that I could never live there uh, without them, you know, like if they're gone, you know. But when the time came that for them it was time to go back to France and, you know, start their studies and having a normal life, <laughs> so to speak, uh -huh. um, I... At that point, it was December and my, I had already progressed in my commitment. And by the time December, mm -hmm. January came, came and it was time for me to go back, I knew that mm -hmm. I was going to continue, you know. So when I left, I knew that it was going to be a life. It was my, it, I, yeah, it was my life purpose, so to speak. It sounds a bit um, funny, but it was really okay. what I was here to do, to learn this music and and then whatever else, but then, you know, and I knew that it was going mm -hmm. to be a lifelong task and it was going to be the most important thing and mm -hmm. that it would take whatever it would take. And I knew that I didn't know what it would take, but I was ready. You know, it was, I remember I, I was writing a lot of journals all these years and I'm going through them uh, now. And uh, I kept writing, you know, it's an, I'm, it's a vow. Um, and, you know, it was like really a vow that I will do anything for this music. Now I'm like, I was a bit crazy to have vowed that, but it's, it's, it's still active, you know, in a way. And I, but the thing is, I didn't have to worry about practical thing. It was like, I didn't know how, you know, it was not, you know, sometimes now when I try to plan things, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for three years and then this for five years and then. And it was not like that, but one thing I knew instant, instinctively, and I think that's what I wrote in that, that essay, is that I knew that it was not like I'm going to India and I want to be in India forever. I actually, I was, you know, was, I knew that I was going there to learn music and I had to deal with being in Chennai, uh, which is not always the easiest city for a young uh, Westerner, you know, you know, it's not, right. you know, it's, it's, yes. it's quite a big city. I, I obviously um, ended up loving it and it's like my second home now and uh, I love it dearly, but it was quite intense you know, to live in the city mm. and to live my twenties, all my, you know, my, my youth, I never went to call it, but I knew right away that do everything to learn this music to the best of my ability and then take it home. And you know, I I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that, you know, it wasn't like I was going to be in India, have a career in music there and settle there and do my life there. But um, this was very clear. And, and I, it was like I didn't have to think about it for those 10 years when I was learning um, with uh, my teacher. You know, people sometimes he would ask me, you know, just to check what's <laughs> uh you know, or, or other people would ask me, what do you want to do? And then I was, I just want to sing. 
I didn't have to say anything else. I just want to sing. It was really like there's nothing. And I didn't need to think about it. Um, so how did you fund your uh, stay in India and uh, the music education in India? Um, so in the very beginning, um, I got supported by, by my parents who uh, were very generous to consider this to be my studies. You know, they paid college for my sister and brother. And so they considered that was my, my studies. So I realized that I was very lucky to have such <laughs> support. So this was for the first couple of years. And then I got a Indo-French government, like a, an, an exchange scholarship between Indian government and French government. And most of my studies were funded by the scholarship, the ICCR and the Ministry of Culture in France. Right. And also, after I think maybe a couple of years uh, that I was in Chennai, maybe two years, yeah, um, uh, my teacher stopped charging me for classes uh, because the scholarship were not, it was just enough to, you know, make it. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's quite an important thing also because sometimes when we're Westerners, you know, we go to India to learn and, you know, many teachers are ready to teach us also because of money, you know, because it's yes. a, a white source yes. of income is always interesting, you know, and uh, it mm -hmm. was it was never the case in, with, with Krishna. I never did it for money, obviously. But but, you know, like normally you go learn something, you take money, you you you, yeah. you know, it's normal because also you need to give the money, to, you know, and you know, in the West, we obviously charge for classes because, <laughs> you know, it's 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 yes. a normal thing to do. But what happened, I think that, um, oh, that's what I, that just came back to my mind. Um, in the training, there were like different stages and uh, like almost like tests, you know, like uh, rites of passages, you know, almost. And uh, after, the, I think, two years, when I got the scholarship, um, uh, Krishna told me you don't need to pay me for classes anymore. So I stopped. I never paid for classes uh, since then, you know, after two years of learning from him. And so this also was a different commitment because um, it was really, even though we are in the modern India, you know, and uh, uh, the 21st century and, uh, and with a relatively young teacher, you know, at the time he was... 30 years old when I started, you know, 28, actually less than 30 when I started learning from him. But this, mm -hmm. this also was like a, a very traditional gurukula system, you know, where I was learning, um, I was not paying, but I was, I was completely, um, you know, in exchange, so to speak, it's not really exchange, but, you know, me and the other students were just uh, in service. And this was like the most natural thing to do. But like, anything, you know, we would be I would. I used to ride my bike everywhere in Chennai to deliver letters and uh, you know things to different musicians. So, I I ended up knowing Chennai mm -hmm. really well, and uh, you know to helping with the family. You know the kids were quite young at the time to just you know help with whatever, and um, it's it's a very traditional way of learning in a modern in a True. modern <laughs> context. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yes. When you started taking music lessons, yeah. Uh, did you feel different about the teaching methods and the approach and uh, the Guru Shishya Paddhati we have in India? Um, you mean the, the teaching methods from the Western? From the Western? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. definitely. <laughs> you know, I think obviously the what we call the Guru Shishya uh, relationship in, in 
transmission of a traditional art, whatever the art be, but in my case, it's Carnatic singing, Carnatic music, um, is at the core of everything. You know, it's really, um, and like I said, it's this trust, it's this 100% trust into the teacher, in the teacher, and it's a 50-50, you know, it's like, you have to be, I mean, yeah, it's a two-way street, you know, the Guru-Shishya relationship. But the fact, you, your job as a student is to be completely trusting and dedicated and not questioning things, which, you know, I've learned music and uh, in the West and, you know, we would go for class for one hour, sit in class, mm-hmm. be learning something on the piano, have some homework to do for next week and that's it. But here it was like, um, from th- from day one you know learning music was learning life and it sounds sometimes very esoteric or something but it's not but it's just like you know every time that we got confronted with something that i got confronted with something in music it was revealing something about myself and then i would be you know it it quickly uh, revealed itself that learning this music was we requiring complete transformation I was like, I'm ready to be mm. like, you know, like on the phone when you do a reset, <laughs> you know, like. Right. <laughs> and um, so I would say that this Guru Shishya relationship um, has obviously many, it's, it's very challenging because mm-hmm. first of all, in the West, we're not trained to trust somebody because it's dangerous. And, and there are many, obviously, many abuses and many things that can go wrong when you trust somebody like, you know, 100%. And, but the problem is in the West, we throw the baby with the bathwater, as we say. And not always, but gen- the general thought is that uh, trusting somebody, a teacher, an authority, is going to be very dangerous and is bad and should be banned. You know, obviously in India, um, it's it's different. But... What was strange for me was that even though I grew up in a family that was, you know, inclined into um, India and spiritu- the spirituality of India, and, you know, I, I was familiar with terms such as guru, you know, in the, you know, in the terms of spiritual gurus or like, you know, but I didn't know. I had a, a perfectly normal um, f- French childhood, you know, I was a normal child and a normal teenager and I was doing what other kids and teenagers do in France I was just uh, but when that uh, recognition happened with the music and then it was like this is music but to learn this music you need this medium and the teacher is only the medium you know you you need to break free from it at some point that that process but uh, it's like the 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 price to pay is quite high because even it it questions so many things about everything actually but um um, I had heard about terms such as, you know, dedication, um, devotion, you know, like being surrendered, you know, all that was very familiar, but I didn't know what it meant. I never, you know, I never, I never knew what it meant to be dedicated to the point where you're like, you know, I used to tell my father, even if you cut my legs, you know, it, I would be ready to cut my legs. It was really like, I'll give everything, you know, it was like really, mm. and, um, um, it was I knew I had an organic knowledge of how to, to how to be in that in that um, disposition of a student, which was 
interestingly very challenging for me because I was my my personality you know I was questioning all, all the time um, uh, you know um, always yeah always questioning arguing needing to understand needing to you know there was always a problem I always you know like so and and um, you know I would say that this trust into the teacher was so strong that it you know it 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 took me through every difficulty that I could have as being a young woman being alone in India you know I, I was far away from my family from my friends you know I was I was not a you know, oh, it's great. I'm in India with yogis and I can meditate in the cave. I was like, <laughs> no, I just want to be a normal uh, teenager, uh, you know, young person having a normal life. And yeah, that that trust in the teacher is um, is a very um, I think it's a vital, vital element of learning because, you know, and even though, you know, if you know, if I if I could press uh, rewind and go back from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, I would, I would just relax so much more and just be trustful, you know, even more just, just, you know, I'm told to practice this line a hundred times, I'll just do it. And I won't feel bad about everything else. Like, um, how did you find the voice culture and the practice hmm. techniques? Uh, does it share any common grounds, uh, you know, with, uh, with the techniques that you use uh, in Western classical music? Uh, maybe the open voice singing yeah. and, you know, uh, how was it? For you. Um, <clears throat> I would say that it was definitely completely different than the Western classical way of training the voice. Um, like I said in the beginning, you know, my instruction from my teacher was just open your mouth and sing, which allowed mm -hmm. me to um, sing with uh, my natural voice, just my voice as it is, but full to its full potential, you know, and. I think also there's one danger when we are Westerner and we want to learn Indian singing is that we try to imitate Indian voice, which is stupid because we can't imitate. In, there's, I mean, you know, like, um, so I was never, I never tried to imitate the Indian voice, but Krishna was telling me, just sing, you know, just sing with your own voice. And uh, for me, my, my soul, um, my only vocal training all these years wa was actually just doing the Akara Sadakam. Uh, just uh, waking up uh, in the morning and the first thing I would sing 30 minutes to an hour and doing just the long notes, you know, standing on the long mm -hmm. notes for Shruti and uh, on different, you know, on A, ah, on closed mouth, sometimes on our mm -hmm. vowels and then on Svarams mm -hmm. and then slow and then doing the Svaradil Varshay. And uh, I've been doing that for the last um, yeah, 15, 16 years. Lovely. I think, uh, you know, obviously some, some yoga with the breathing thing can, can, can help. And I never, I never did that. I did that on my own after, but I was never instructed to do that or anything. In the past 15 years, where there are too many ups and downs, where a point where you felt very demotivated and mm. maybe you felt like, why am I doing this? Do I want to give up? Okay. You know, and uh, if you have an experience that you can share. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I do have one anecdote of, of such a moment that happened quite early on, actually, about, I think I was, it was after maybe five, four or five years in my training in Chennai. Um, so one day, um, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, 
yet one more time I asked him for a you know I said I I want to talk I I it's too hard and you know I wasn't saying I'm giving up but I was like you know I was crying and I was like it's you know I was feeling like I was not getting in it was too hard and I couldn't and he was not happy with what I was singing and and um and that one day we sat in the in the music room and and he said okay Manuel stop I'm done go back home pack your bags go back to France it's like I'll I'll always teach you I I won't let you down but uh, maybe I thought you could do it but maybe actually you can't um you know you you're you're wasting my time you're wasting your time you're wasting your life go home find something else to do um maybe actually it's not your life path uh maybe do like so many other westerners do maybe go live in mahabalipuram or pondicherry and come for class once a month or go back to france and come for two or three months of the year and just learn you know as a as a hobby you know and i'll still teach you but um he was like i just i can't do it anymore you know he was just he was he was giving up he was like it's it's let's forget this and it was a very hard and sad moment <laughs> and uh, oh. uh i that image is still very uh vivid in my mind you know because i remember i and and so he said think about it and let me know what you want to do but i think i think we're done just go back home so at this point uh this probably was the f- worst moment of my life it was so intense because for me it was like it was it was hard i was complaining i was like saying it's too hard and but the idea of stopping was even it was like unthinkable so um he told me go think about it and come back tomorrow and you know just uh just tell me what, what your plan is and uh I was roaming in Chennai, <laughs> crying my eyes out and being, and I didn't sleep that night. And I had, I was like, it was like my whole world was collapsing. It was like atrocious. And also at that time, I was talking with some friends and family and people around me were starting to tell me, you know, I was not eating well. I was underweight. I was not healthy. I was getting sick. You know, I wasn't taking care of myself properly. Um, I was only drinking coffee and eating one dosa a day. You know, it was like not good. I was I was terrible at cooking at home, so I wasn't. I was only eating outside and very bad. And anyway, and uh, my friends and family were starting to tell me, um, you know, it's not worth it. Um, you should just come home. Uh, you're gonna, you know, destroy your life. Uh, you know, you're you're wasting your life. You're you're gonna end up being, hurt, you know, like you. Um, you know, it's at this point, maybe it's doing more harm than good, you know, so even, even my, not my father, but I think my mother and all the women basically <laughs> were, you were concerned. <laughs> they were like, you know, it's not worth it. Maybe, maybe it's time to find some, something different or do it in a different way that's easier on you. And, and I was devastated. And so I didn't sleep the whole night. And in the morning I woke up, nope, I'm not stopping. I am going on. I don't want to stop. I'll just go to France for a few weeks just to take a break, just take a, a breathing, some breathing room. And uh, I was like, okay, I need a break. But um, so that that next day I went to uh, in the morning, I went to Krishna's house and I just, you know, went in front of him and I said, I thought about it. I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to stop. I just want to go on. And he was like, okay, good. Come for class at four. 
and that was it you know <laughs> and this was such an in, this was and then i think the next stage kind of started you know like i had made one more step i was really it was very close that i stopped and there were other moments like that after but this was the strongest when i really felt like you know doubt and i was like it's um it's too hard i'm going to give up and and then when i you know and i what happened in that moment is that krishna at some point you know when you're in this guru shishya relationship you you in an authentic one i think like you you get to really know each other you know it's it's a very specific relationship because it, it's not a family it's not a father it's not a brother it you know but it's it's you you know each other very well and you know when you when you work in training you know somebody and learning from you know the you know the cracks and at this point i think krishna you know in i in one sometimes i would raise my eyebrows in class i have tendency to be very expressive with my eyes so in class i would do something like that and it would be like out and i was like <laughs> okay. i didn't say anything and i was like why and he was like because he sang something and while he was that i was supposed to repeat and while he was singing it i did like that like you know my eyes became very big and he knew exactly what that meant it meant i'm never going to be able to sing that this phrase is way too hard for me and and so it was like so i just did that with my eyes and it was like out it was like if you think you're not able to sing this phrase you've got nothing to do here you're wasting my time go out so you know and i think at this point my teacher knew that this whole i had this tendency for dramatizing thing you know like uh, oh my god this is too hard you know it just i was you know i was quite young and i think i also needed attention and you know somebody to hold my hand and say okay you know you do this now you do that and now you do this while i was being very rebellious and at the same time it was very confusing but but at this point i don't know and that's what it's another topic altogether but it's very important i think it's that even though um you know, I don't know if in his mind at this point he said, okay, I know what's going on. She needs a shock. So I need to tell her that I'm done so that she, so that she wakes up and stop, you know, like saying it's too hard and actually just do the work. So maybe he thought that. But my suspicion is that it's one of those things when you are in an authentic Guru Shisha relationship is that he was moved to tell me that, you know, in a way that was, that's what, what I needed to hear. And he knew that whether consciously or not, but, uh, that was the one thing, you know, at one point it kind of told me all this, like, you know, struggle, it's not going to lead you anywhere. And instead of just working, you just, um, yeah, just, okay. If it's too hard, then stop and go home. And I was like, no, <laughs> I can't. So I think it was like a, a um, like an inherent knowledge of what I needed to hear in that moment. Coming to your concerts, yeah. the art and culture of a region, it evolves together. Yeah. Meaning uh, to understand, it becomes a bit difficult to understand an art form when I've not experienced the culture. Yeah. So this being a challenge, how do you present Carnatic music to the French audience? Um, what I do usually is that um, I don't do like such like conference you know like i don't explain everything in details but i do make it a point to to explain some things um in between songs like i you know i will say some basic information i make it uh 
I try to make it a very lively exchange where, first of all, people can also, in some formats, concept, not all, but can ask questions. And, uh, and I think the fact mm -hmm. that they, you know, I talk to them in a language that they understand. I'm from the same culture than them. So then it kind of breaks the idea of culture and that, you know, that the idea that the Indian music is for Indians. Um, and I usually tell stories and it's more like anecdotes, you know, like stories of even what I went through in the training, you know, some of um, understanding of like um, transmissions and uh, what a song also means to me because something I realized after a point was that the songs and uh, you know even though their lyrical content is can be extremely powerful and have a very strong meaning in a specific context of the f Hindu philosophy or religion or <clears throat> but what my deepest uh, knowledge is is that when like th th those songs a song like i don't know like uh any song but like a, a, a kamalamba samrakshita for example in anand bhairavi or any songs a begada or a, a kamboji you know that kamboji is very unfamiliar for the western ear you know um mm -hmm. it's very south indian you know it has the color of south india it tastes like south india you know it's like very specific to south india and um, many times um, in concerts, people have an experience with the song, they connect to the song and they don't know why. So that feeling that I have is that the actual music, the, the, the whole, you know, the whole, the whole thing, like the music, the lyrics, the tala, the raga, everything, um, is completely beyond culture. And the song, each moment it is sung, whether it's in France, in America, in Africa, in India, in Norway, in uh, Spain, anywhere, in a specific moment, whether the song was composed 200 or three, 300 years ago and it's sung now, like today in 2020, it is saying something, it is alive now and it is saying something now about the person, even though the person doesn't have any connection whatsoever with Indian culture, it's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, everything is, it's just moving something inside the person that are very touched by a raga. They start crying and they were like, mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, I felt like I was home. I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is the job of the music is to make you feel home, you know? And so what, one of the thing I tried and, um, this last few years, um, so I had, a, I had another moment like that a few years ago, much more recently of like, kind of, you know, a moment where you're blocked and it was like it's either mm -hmm. at this point I stop you know man I don't go further or really it has to completely change uh, because I was struggling in my um, you know to to do really traditional concerts like we do them in India I was tr trying to do that in France and it's possible to some extent but there's a lack of musicians there are some there are some great right. musicians thank God but uh, and also when you do a typical Kacheri format for two hours uh, for French audience, it's it's not very easy for them. And I think if it's an Indian musician, it's like they're having the full experience, but then they see a white person and they're like, what's so somehow it's and I felt very frustrated with feeling that I wasn't able to express to really completely um, explore my oops. <laughs> 
my creativity also and to I was not able to express who I really was you know there was some I was stuck in the and um right and I had um um I had this connection with chapels in France mm-hmm. and churches and I started singing the Shankarabarnam Ragam there you know as a practice in a church and then I had this oh this image of like, I had different, you know, it was like I had this image of me singing in the church, Sahana Ragam, in a, in a very, you know, standing like the way we sing in churches, you know, not, and I've, I was very one, but for years by my teacher about fusion. And, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to do things that are not so good in quality, when you try to just do some mix. So I was, I, I was very, you know, I'm, very kind of purist you know kind of you know no i have to do pure tradition nothing else mm-hmm. and uh, so since a few years you know singing in chapels and the churches has been um really uh one of the thing i love the most to do and i can't really explain why but it seems like it's a really important thing to do and i started singing um carnatic so not in typical kachari's format in india i'm wearing the sari i'm sitting etc but uh to sing I can sing in a church standing or sitting on a chair. And for me, it's mm-hmm. also a, a way of being, I'm, my name is Emmanuel Martin. I'm not, I'm from Nantes. I'm from, I'm French. I am not Indian, but to show, to share the experience that it's possible to be completely authentic and honest with the music. And we don't have, mm-hmm. I don't have to wear the, the potter or wear the sari. I may, when I'm in India, I do, I don't question it. I've done it for years. Yes. But mm-hmm. I'm not trying to act as if I was an Indian doing some Indian music. I can be French. I can be dressed in French dress and be completely respectful of the tradition. And I think that for yeah. me is, you know, I know many people question that and don't like it. You know, I've got many comments mm-hmm. from people saying, why are you wearing the sari anymore? And and I do love wearing the sari, but in India, you know, uh, and I know it's I'm I'm you know, it's, it's not accepted by everyone, but it's one of those things where for me, it's a movement that comes from inside. And that's, it's almost like it's music asking me to do that. <laughs> Even though it sounds funny, but mm-hmm. yeah. I, I watched a, a video of yours. You were singing Ananda Bhairavi, I believe in the, in a chapel. Uh, uh, we were just humming and then uh, there was a painting. Ah, yes. Oh, that's an old event. thing. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's an, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. You know, you were just sitting relaxed on a chair yeah. with a tambura. It was such a picture of East uh, meets West. Yeah, and, yeah, know, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a very interesting work uh, I came across is your collaboration of classical music with theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that you've been working with uh, the renowned director, Ariana Mushkin, mm. and training theater artists in voice culture and Carnatic music. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? Yes, um, this was a very, um, a very rich experience, <laughs> to say the least. I, um, so Ariana Mushkin asked me to train our 42 actors um, for a play that's called A Room in India, in Chambonand, in French. And in that play, the art form that was um, explored was Terukuta. Uh, and uh, so she asked me to train her actors in singing. So I used Carnatic singing as a way to... Uh, so 
None of them had any sense of music, rhythm, shruti or Indian music whatsoever. <laughs> so the idea was to use Carnatic music as a background, as a practice, so that they could be able to, they would be able to sing the Terukuta songs uh, in Tamil. It's very interesting. You know, and so mm -hmm. most of the work there was, you know, we were doing a lot of um, Swarali Varshai exercise and uh, they, they ended up, uh, if you go watch their play, um, they do this voice training before the play for half an hour when they do what they sing every single day they sing that all together uh in three speeds um you know the the number 10 to 14 you know they do this and so i train them in you know doing i sometimes was working with small groups sometimes with big groups uh sometimes one-on-one -on -one just on voice opening voice working with shruti uh, and I was uh, helping them rehearse their their songs, the Teruktu songs, um, trying to really, you know, yeah, sing open voice. And and the idea was for them to have a sense of also a bit of sense of ragams, you know, different, even though it's it's obviously practiced differently in Terukuta, but uh, to, you know, we we were doing Swarali Varsai sometimes in Mohanam, sometimes in Amsadvani, sometimes in Maya Mawargula. And... Uh, and it was very interesting because um, some of them, you know, like the ones that ended up having the main roles in the end, the main singing roles, were not people mm -hmm. who were like known for being good singers until then. But the way that they managed to, you know, have this, you know, in the West, we have this sense of what a beautiful voice is. And in my opinion, it's completely, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's it's one of the main aspects of my work also is to, it's usually the first step is to help people to realize that there is not good and bad voice, <laughs> you know. We all have a unique voice and and it's just to explore and, ex and, and use our voice to the best of what we have. And, uh, you know, anyway, so it was very interesting to see some of the of the, the soloists in the end that were not known as good singers, but they were the one that could just sing open-throated and full body voice and um, and it, it was interesting because I I had to find many new methods and it, it when I first started teaching I was trying to teach in the same way that I was taught by my teacher which didn't go very far because <laughs> because uh, I can't say that people in front of me necessarily had the same kind of dedication and were ready to hear the things that I was hearing <laughs> in class. True, so yes. I in that yeah. training in working, you know, with this, you know, in the end there were a bit less people. There were maybe thirty, but they were all different cultures. They were like French, South Americans, some were the Afghans, uh, Iranians. Wow. Uh, yeah, there were many different cultures, and it was so interesting to see that each culture had the very needed a very different approach, and uh, it it forced me to find my own, I'd say my own method, my own way of tra transmitting. It must have been a very satisfying experience yes. for you when you finally watch them perform. And yes, uh, yes, right? <laughs> very proud. Yeah. Uh, are you currently working on uh, any new projects or collaborations? You know, anything we have to look forward to? Yeah, well, um, like everybody uh, in the world, the lockdown. You know, uh, the two last because we've had lockdown in the spring, but now in France we're also in lockdown since a month, more than a month uh -huh. now. Uh, it's been uh -huh. a very useful time for me to kind of 
reconnect with um, my my own practice because uh, those last seven years that I've been living in in back in France, you know, trying to make a living in France with Carnatic music and building uh, an audience and a community around that is hard work, and so there. It's, you know, when I was in India, I was dedicated to just learning. But since I'm in France, um, sometimes practice really suffers because I, you know, I'm, I'm handling uh, every aspect of the business by myself. Um, and, uh, and now I'm better than I was at taking care of myself. So I do take time to cook and eat well <laughs> and clean my house and, you know, buy food and do all those things. So... It's a full-time job, and so to have a few months, I started um, working with my journals. Uh, so I've been in the process of writing. So I'm really taking up the the task of, uh, uh, you know, sharing my experience there in detail based on all this um, this writing. And uh, I've been working with a, a great friend of mine called Bradley J. High, uh, who is from the theater world, also on. Um, I won't give too many details yet, but you know, working on making the the the, the music uh, for Westerners, like for performances in the West, you know, to make it, you know, to try and make it more af um, accessible. And so, working with songs, but also uh, present it, uh, present you know the concert format, working on the concert format, more um, focused on the. Uh, what the not to adapt to what the western ear can hear or anything but just to make it um yeah more accessible i would say without without being uh, making it less traditional or you know changing the music or anything but just um you know so that's been a long and very passionate process for me and i've been recording so uh, there'll be there'll be music uh -huh. Uh, out soon uh, in you know on platforms Spotify and albums and uh, videos music videos um, and I'm working on um, yeah I, I keep I'm, I'm always uh, looking for new collaborations with artists so I'm also uh, building something with artists from other traditions um, in terms of mm -hmm. performing but also teaching for master classes and and the and the big thing that I'm doing now that's uh, it's kind of a result of this last few years of being back in France is um, it's actually um, something that my teacher told me to do uh, ten years ago. So I'm a bit slow to <laughs> get things done, but I had many reasons, uh, many you know many things to go through to um, really get to it. But uh, actually, my teacher came to Paris. Uh, again to perform in Théâtre de la Ville mm -hmm. last year and um, ah. you know like I'm currently really in the process of building a school a music school that's lovely uh, dedicated to uh, preservation promotion um, research and transmission of Carnatic music uh, and also Fantastic. also um, to allow inter-traditional uh, which is something I've been doing for a few years now you know with you know, meeting of other different traditions. So in terms in so, um, in the forms of workshops, uh, master classes, and uh, you know encounters of to understand each other, you know, to have intimate uh, encounters with other artists from other traditions to really understand and and grow together in that you know in that community of uh, different traditions. So 
from mm -hmm. from 2000 uh, sorry i'm thinking in french now so uh from january from january february <laughs> 2021 if all goes well in terms of the global situation i will start teaching uh for the first time in my life in a on a in a regular way I will be giving um, group classes and individual classes on a weekly basis uh, in Paris, and um, wonderful. So that's that's mm -hmm. what's you know that's what's new, and yeah, and then there'll be more tours in the summer and more workshops and yeah. master classes, and I hope my friends from India they were supposed to come last spring, but uh, you know my my cool <laughs> students, other musicians will come and also you know do different workshops to teach here mm -hmm. in France. It's interesting. Uh, but you've moved to Paris now and yes. uh, you've taken up teaching full time uh, in a music school, right? Carnatic um, music, you teach Carnatic I music. I teach Carnatic music in uh, in my own school. In I do it. I also uh, mm. I do I also do interventions on different in different schools, music school and conservatories and stuff like that. Uh, but the main thing is is my own school that because I also want to have be able to um you know you know really create something in the way that i really want to do it so that i'm creating i'm creating i'm i'm doing both i'm creating my own school but also teaching in in different institutions and schools lovely mm. but how is the participation there uh, emmanuel are there many participants willing to learn carnatic music in paris um mm. so as i said my move to paris is very recent recent so okay. uh okay. I've been all those years I've been in touch with uh you know I've I have maybe 10 to 15 students who learn from me regularly for the past five year, uh, yeah five six years um but it's more in terms of private classes and stuff but what I can say is that this last seven years that I've been traveling in France and in other countries is that uh yeah there there is there is a a very serious interest it's not uh it's i can't say that it's the most popular music uh in france definitely yeah. and people who usually want to learn indian music they will tend to turn to north indian music because i think maybe in the training you know the many people are very interested in learning improvisation and in Carnatic, you know improvisation is we don't approach it, you know, it, it goes through composition. So it, it, it requires a certain yes. commitment and seriousness. And what happened mm -hmm. and what I'm doing now this last few years is that I also make it a point to teach. I love to work with people also, you know, with young people and people in need and use the, the music as a, as, a, yeah, as a tool also. Um, and also I tend to um, teach also now people who have a very serious musical background and would be so that I can also share more of the more evolved uh, aspects of improvisation, you know, Naraval and Svaram and just uh, even Ragam, you know. Right. Um, yes. And so what, what, things, what, what I'm trying to really build around the work that I do is that there is a mild tendency when you're a Westerner, it's not everybody but there is a there's a belief that you know indian music's to relax and to experience you know a sense of you know um to have a spiritual experience which you know can can be wonderful obviously but often mm -hmm. and in the way i was trained uh you know for me my thing is also 
just focus on the music and everything else you need to experience will happen if you have this basic focus and surrender to the music and and that's what i'm trying to develop because uh, a lot of you know as you know carnatic music is is a serious music and it requires work so i'm trying to find ways to make it accessible to anybody to beginners you know uh, but also have the intention that some people will really because it happens sometimes people learn one line from a varnam or even a gitam or even a svarari varshai or just do, learning one gamakas in doing the svarari varshai and they'll have in that moment a complete experience of what the music can offer they don't need to do, know how to do ragam naravaswaram all that just one song or just one line and and they really get something. So for me, that's the rapport that I have with Konatik music is that it's a give and take. It's always like she feeds me, I feed her. And and I know that this can give so much to so many people. Uh, but it it is true that um, people who want to just relax and enjoy the tempura and do ah, uh, it will have its limitation. And for me, I feel it's also there's more that totally. it can give. So I'm hoping that some people will have the interest to really have the experience that this music can give to each, even if we are Westerners. <laughs> I agree, I agree. Uh, because you're doing so many things in a day, I'm just curious to know how does your day look like? You know, <laughs> practice and the work, how do you manage it all? Um well, I can tell you an idea of how my, my days are now, this past, uh, you know, two, couple of months since I'm in Paris. Um, so yes, uh, juggling with everything is a challenge and uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, I do what I can, honestly, but uh, the days where I just had to get up and practice and go to class and go to Krishna's concerts are over. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm living... Um, in a in a city and and in the west and i have to make money and to to so uh, you know we have this status in france for artists um that they give a it's like a support from the government so you it's a whole process anyway but you have to keep performing to have this this support so you have to be stay active <laughs> so um uh -huh. my usually my daily daily routine is that uh, i wake up and nowadays i go run every morning uh, you know, I, I do about an hour of uh, exercise and then I um, spend about, depending on days, but, um, you know, I, I would say an average of three hours. Sometimes it's two hours, sometimes it's six, but there is a chunk of time um, where I just practice um, my own practice. It doesn't necessarily, it's not to prepare for a concert, it's just practice of ragam. Naravel Swaram, all kirtanams, uh, learning new kirtanams from from recordings of all songs, you know, of all classes, sorry, or uh, from the, you know, mm -hmm. we've during the lockdown, we had some classes with uh, Krishna. So learning these new songs or the songs that I've learned last my last visit in India. So that I'm trying to do every day. And sometimes in one session, I will only sing ragam. And sometimes I will sing many other things, but I'll try to keep that as a daily uh, thing. Uh, because I realize that when I do that, everything else works. When I don't do that, 
nothing else works. So <laughs> it's kind of my, my, <laughs> my pay for a happy day is to do this few hours of practice. And now it's a routine that I can yeah. do it also because there's not much concerts and everything, but I can't do this all the time. And then there is a few hours mm -hmm. dedicated to, um, you know, my, I, I write, um, I'm, I'm in the process of writing and working on the other, like more like the, the performances and the piece. And also I, I do a lot of piano. So I also work on, you know, different, I, it's not strictly carnatic practice. Um, and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a more, a broader creative process. And then a few hours a day have to be dedicated to, um, administration, <laughs> you know, so, right. uh, doing all the contacts, emails with, uh, you know, hand, handling of the, uh, the, the calendar and uh, uh, concerts planning, workshop plannings, um, classes planning, everything. Yes. And then I, and then I spend some time cooking food and eating. And, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's about it. It's kind of the daily thing. It sounds <laughs> like a very busy day for you. Yeah. It's packed. Yeah, it's packed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes I will start practicing and I'll be very uh, uh, enthusiastic about something and I'll do only that for the day. And sometimes and sometimes there are some days in the week where I also only do work, you know, like planning concerts and stuff. And yeah, I'm mm. not I'm not a mm. sadly, I'm not a very organized person. So <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a, it's 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 a patchwork of activities <laughs> during the day. But yeah. <laughs> And uh, Emmanuel, what would your advice be to an aspiring art student? Um, I like this this question. Uh, I would say um, when you have love for an art form, whatever the art form may be, um, just follow it. <laughs> you know, just uh, like just kind of um, submit surrender to the process of learning that art form and and dedicate yourself to the art form i'm not saying that we can all uh, do only that for many years and it doesn't matter but to have this it's a it has it you know it, it has to be a, a live relationship with the art form and uh, and the only way in my opinion to um have you know have that um art form evolve in oneself is to keep that keep that movement keep that commitment uh like commitment is vital it's not like i love this art i'm gonna do it a little bit now oh but i don't like this teacher i'm gonna find for another teacher uh i'm gonna look for another teacher sorry or and and find a good guru or teacher or mentor because that's i think i think in the west we overlook that the importance of that but have a teacher and if you learn from somebody <laughs> don't question you know don't question just trust the teacher and that is half the job done in my opinion to have that you know and sometimes you know it, it, there are stories like that of students who even have a b bad teacher so to speak but a commitment is so true and so honest and so authentic that they will get to the end of the road. You know, I mean, they they will progress and they will they will manage to. So, you know, I think in the in the West at least in India maybe it's different because it's 
we, we, we have d something different in, in the blood of we know what it is to learn from one teacher and have that that notion of respect that can be questioned but still um, yeah you know like we don't we don't get anywhere if we just do a little bit of everything or if we you know I've had experiences of students who come and learn and I ask them to practice something and they said no I'd rather practice that and then they come next week and they've practiced something entirely different and they ask me to teach them something else but they haven't practiced what I asked them to and that that with that kind of attitude you can't do anything and I think the last thing is probably you know obviously besides you know a daily a daily or at least a regular commitment um, to have a you know a, an appointment regularly with your art form to practice and you forget everything else and you it's just the art form and you is um, a willingness to be questioned transformed challenged and and humility and p patience which is things i lacked deeply <laughs> so <laughs> you know like to have you know i i know for me i realized that there was a, a certain arrogance in me that and one day in one class krishna point, pointed that out is that unconsciously i thought that i already knew before i restart something or i thought that i didn't need to practice because it should come e more easily and i think that humility of being like you know i mean life is about learning so we can be 20 we can be 10 years old we can be 30 we can be 50 we can be 80 you know just to have this open mind of like i'm here to learn and that creates a softness inside that it does a crack that allows um, something to be learned and the, uh, the learning and it's and i think it's very beautiful and and it's really worth it beautiful thank you thank you so much Emmanuel. So, I hope this interview with Emmanuel Martha was insightful and you enjoyed this episode. Do not forget to subscribe to our podcast. For more information, log on to kalatapasya.com. We'll catch up soon on our next episode where we shall be bringing more interesting stories from performing artists of Indian classical art forms.